before I pray, uh, I wanted, I just was thinking, uh, downstairs right now uh, are kindergartners through second graders. It's Salvation Sunday. But they get to make choices today. They get to hear the gospel. And they get to respond. So I want to pray for them this morning. And then I want to pray for us. Is that okay? At the end, we'll conclude with the Lord's Prayer. So God, we pray that your presence would be, you would just be so present downstairs right now through Tim who's sharing your message. We pray for the lives and the souls and the eternities of our little people. Would they know this morning that you would love them and would they love you in return. So I pray for truly a celebration Sunday downstairs. And I know as they make those decisions that the angels in heaven rejoice and worship and sing. So we pray that would be so. In Jesus' name downstairs. But here upstairs, I pray the same thing. I pray there is a spirit of surrender here today surrendering for the first time or re for a second, third, fourth, fifth, or sixth, or seventh, or eighth, or ninth, or tenth time. You were waiting. So I just pray this morning that we would come running into your arms. Would you pray for me the prayer that Jesus taught his brothers and sisters? If you don't know the words, they'll be on the screen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. You can have a seat. I forgot my Bible. I gotta go get that. But if you want, you can start turning pages. We'll be in John chapter 3 this morning. But we're going to do a, diff- a little different. Uh, a few things, though, as you're turning pages or getting out your device, I want to draw your attention to. Uh, we're starting a new series. This is Lent. If you weren't here for Ash Wednesday, um, some things we The series is called, we have a slide for it, and slide two is Lives Jesus Changed. So throughout Lent, we are going to be looking at the lives that Jesus changed. And so our hope is that uh, um, we see, as we see what happened when they encountered Jesus, that perhaps we see ourselves in the story, perhaps we reflect on our own change, uh, or maybe we change for the first time. So that's what this series is all about. So different stories, and we have different opportunities for you. So if we're going to change, one, that song was perfect. It requires surrender. To change, to become different, means I have to get rid of, get rid of or relinquish some things that I think are mine to become a new person, which is what following Jesus is all about. We'll talk about that a lot today. So we have four opportunities, and really there's opportunities to make room and space for change. God does that. We don't do that, but we have to create opportunities. He waits for us a lot. He's pretty patient. So I would like for him to not have to be so patient. Is that okay? Can we all all agree to that? We want him to not have to be patient. We want to come running like the song said to him. So slide uh, four, we have some ideas for you. Put on the screen. First, uh, I think this is fun. Uh, you can follow reflections by our church family. 
different ages, uh, teens, 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, and we're all reflecting on the passages we'll be in on Sunday ahead of time and to have different perspectives on the text all throughout the week. So you can follow on Instagram or Facebook. I know it's hard to do your devotions when you're on those things. So you have to really focus because you want to look at other stuff, right? It's challenging. But it's been fun to read different stories. Um, I just really appreciate when I hear what other people think as they engage with the text, right? Because we all read it differently. The Lord speaks to us differently. I appreciate that. Second, we're having a prayer and worship gatherings in the Lighthouse. Um, the times are Wednesday mornings at 6.30, Thursdays at noon, or Saturdays, I think, at 8. So if you want top floor the Lighthouse, just come, worship, and pray. Um, third, uh, if you walk through the church today, you'll see like little 11 by 13-ish signs. And a lot of people walk here all week. I don't know if you know that or not. You can walk here. And I was told by someone last week, you won't trip. So that's a good thing. And if you do trip, there's someone here to find you. So that's also good. <laughs> but you can walk. And as you move through the building, there's prompts, things you could pray for. You can just walk if you want to, too. That's great. But you can also be praying as you're walking. Okay? That's third. And the fourth thing, I think is sl next slide, is you can join a text group. Same thing kind of as the first, but you get into a group of three to four people, and you get a reminder on Monday or Sunday to read the passage for Sunday. There's no more text after that. At the end of the week, your leader writes back and says, this is what stood out to me about the text. This is what challenged me. This is what convicted me. This is what's being changed within me. And what's great is you get three or four reminders to be in the Word. And we think these are life-giving words, right? So you can do that. You can just, there's a, a co-ed group, a men's group, and a women's group. So those are opportunities for you. But one of the things, though, I, I said on Ash Wednesday, um, and just for you to consider, uh, sometimes in Lent, and you could do this, so don't hear what I'm not saying, we, choose, we, we, we give up something, right? We give up things in Lent, right? Everyone knows that? That's what we do. We give up things, like we fast from things, uh, which is good. Because um, we're trying to not just give something up, but we're re also receiving from God, right? We give up to receive. But the thing, though, is that we oftentimes give up things that we can't keep giving up. Does that make sense? If we make these really huge changes that maybe we can sustain them, but most times, research would say, when you do a radical change, it's really hard to keep doing it. So the challenge for me, and I hope for you, all those things, you can keep doing them. They can become a new habit, a new way of living. You could continue to reflect on the text each week, right? You could do that on your own. You could walk and pray inside or outside. You could worship. I came in this morning. It was a different morning from this morning. And I just came in this room and I put on an old worship song from the 1990s and I just worshiped by myself and it was the best. We can continue to worship and pray. And you can continue to gather with other people to learn about this uh, from their perspective, the things we can keep doing. So I hope is that Lent is not just like a 40, 46 day period, because it's 46 days, it's not just a period, it actually spills into the rest of our life. We want to develop habits in Lent we can keep doing. Is that making sense? So set up for the series. So that, I also want to mention, I want to keep in mind that our Easter Sunday, the, 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 the title is moving from, from doubt to faith. So every story you hear, every story we experience, the person is moving from doubt to faith. So today, Nicodemus, I would say he's moving from night to light, from blindness to sight. So if you read John's gospel, I heard one person say this, it's like a courtroom drama. Testimony, testify. There's questions, there's responses, there's all these interactions, but 
you kind of read like a courtroom. When a courtroom, there's always got to be a testimony. Does the testimony move you from doubt to faith? So that's where we're going on Easter Sunday. But I want to keep that in front of us. We're all, like the song said, like we, the, the call to worship, at different times in life, we all have doubts. We all have wonderings. We all have questions. I think that God knows that, and he's fine with that. But he wants to keep moving us forward, okay? All right, so overarching. We're gonna be in John chapter three. We're finally to the text. But I actually wanna start in chapter two, verses 23. All right, so starting 23, we're gonna read through 15, okay? Mm, yes, we are. All right, now while he, Jesus, was in Jerusalem at the Passover feast, many people saw the miraculous signs he was doing and believed in his name. But Jesus would not entrust himself to them, for he knew all, let's say people, that's plural, it's not just men, everyone. He did not need their testimony about him, a man, for he knew what was in a person. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a member of the Jewish ruling council, he came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the miraculous signs you are doing if God were not with him. In reply, Jesus declared, I tell you the truth. No one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. How can a man be born when he is old? Nicodemus asked. Surely he cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, I tell you the truth. No one can enter the kingdom of God unless he or she is born of water and spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear it sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with everyone born of the spirit. How can this be? Nicodemus asked. You are Israel's teacher, said Jesus, and you do not understand these things. I tell you the truth. We speak of what we know, and we testify to what we have seen, but still you people do not accept our testimony. I have spoken to you of earthly things, and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone to heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the desert, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. People of God, it's the word of God. So I think where I'm going today um, is slide number seven. It's, there's a lot of language around sight, night, light, sight. What do, what do we see? So if I'm, I'm watching. John is moving us. This is a long conversation, probably, right? This isn't like, this is not how long they talked. They talk, probably talked through the evening. But John is pulling out particular pieces to move us somewhere. I heard one person say he's moving us to conversion. He's trying to change how we think. So he begins with to see you must be born again. Then to see, when you're born again, you get a new heart. And we describe our heart as the place where we think, we feel, we will. It's where we live from. You need a new heart. So to, to do that, though, you have to look at the thing that's killing you. So it's progression. He's moving us from doubt to faith, from night to light. So the reason I started in uh, 2.23 is I heard a person say this. So Jesus is performing signs, miracles, all kinds of crazy things, and people are believing, but they're believing in the signs. They're not believing in him. So there's a difference. They're not being transformed. They're not actually changing, and Jesus knows that. 
That's why he says he cannot entrust himself to them because there's more work to be done amongst the people. So it goes from, he uh, did not need man's testimony, so people's testimony. So then John goes into a man. Now a man named Nicodemus came and he came at night. I've heard different thoughts around that. I, for today, I think night does not speak to, maybe he was going because he didn't want people to know he was going. Maybe he was going because he didn't want the crowds. But I think for today that night is the state of his spiritual condition. It's how he sees. Can you see at night very well? No. I was just in the car last night with my girls and they said, it is really dark outside. I cannot see. At night, we cannot see, which is opposite to what Nicodemus says and what the people are saying. We see your signs. We believe. Nicodemus says, Rabbi, we know your teacher has come from God for no one could perform the signs that we see unless God were with you. So what's funny is Nicodemus is, he's kind of coming hat in hand here, right? So Nicodemus is a powerful person, a part of the ruling council. He is authority. He is righteous. All the things. But he's also open-minded, right? Because he's coming to Jesus to ask. And Jesus says, well, I know you, th you think you see, but you don't actually see because nothing is changing within you. So Jesus says you have to be born again. So that could be translated different ways, born again or born from above. But to be born again, first of all, I got to ask this question. I was watching a stand-up comic, and he was talking about being born again. And uh, his parents were born again in the 90s, he said. And he's, all he knew that happened in his life was that there were more rules, and you couldn't say certain words. So I actually had the thought this morning, do we, like, what do we think about the phrase born again? Do we have like a positive connotation with the words born again? Do we use that word? Have you ever told someone Hey, I'm, I was born again. Would you want to tell someone you were born again? Because everyone laughed really hard when he made this joke about being a, uh, part of a household in the 1990s his parents were born again. So it's just so funny when I read the Bible sometimes and like, I don't know if we would think that's a good thing sometimes. Do you? I'm actually asking. Give me nods, yes or no. Would you, have you ever told someone you've been born again? Yeah, some yes. Some no. So to be born again. So I, I, hope, I hope today to make a case that this is a really good thing, but perhaps we've made it a not as important thing as it really is to be born again, okay? So Nicodemus asks, I mean, it's a pretty straightforward question. Um, no, Jesus says, uh, I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he's born again. Jesus, Nicodemus says, can an old person be born again? For that matter, can anyone be born again? It doesn't matter if you're old or you're young. You cannot be born again. Is he asking, like, is he being cynical? Is he kind of making fun of Jesus? Or is he, what is he asking exactly? What's fascinating to me is, uh, so uh, just before that, um, Jesus said, uh, no one can see the kingdom unless they're born again, is the fact that he uses the word kingdom. So John doesn't use that word very often. He doesn't talk about the kingdom of God very much. So when Nicodemus heard that, before he asked this question, what was he thinking of? Well, the kingdom coming, according to the 
early to the Pharisees of that day was the very end of time. When the regenerative God comes and he, he redoes the whole world. Messiah comes, they've kept all the laws. They've done everything that's right. Messiah comes back and that's when everything is regenerated. Everything is as it should be. So that's got to be confusing for Nicodemus. He says, we're not doing that yet. We're not keeping the laws yet. We haven't got it all right yet. So that doesn't make sense to me. So how can a person be born again? And why are you talking about the kingdom? Sure, you can't enter a womb a second time. So Jesus says this, I tell you the truth. Again, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they're born of water and of spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but spirit gives birth to spirit. You shouldn't be surprised at this. So I'm sorry, everyone. I'm feeling a little bit jumbled right now. Mind, so stick with me here for one second, okay? So I think today is all about repentance. Today is all about confessing things. Uh, it's all about reordering things. And, and Nicodemus just doesn't quite get it yet. He, he's, he's just not tracking with him. So to be born again means... Be a, so when a baby is born, it's a pretty radical change, right? It's really different. Like when you go from the inside of a womb and you come out into a world, you are moving from darkness to light, right? It is holy cows. They come out and they come out screaming because they're like, what is going on out here? I left my mom. I was super cozy and comfortable. And who are you? And what is going on here, right? It's crazy. So Tim Keller said this. He said, he said we have made to be born again really boring. He said to be born again is this radical, huge, momentous transformation. Like it is, whoa, you should be totally different. Not all at one time, but becoming totally different. He said, look at, uh, look at Peter. Like these are normal people. Peter betrayed his best friend and became the foundation of the church. He said, Saul was killing people and he became the first missionary. This change should be dramatic. You should be totally different. Which makes me wonder, how serious do we take when I say, I trust in you, Jesus. You are my God and I, we are your people. There should be a significant shift in who I am. I won't speak for you. I should be really different. We should be really different. But I don't know. Are we? We've made it into, I love the song, Resurrender, because... It's, it's become a one-time, you are born one time, like in this life, right? We're born again the one time. But in this kingdom, it's a constant change. You're constantly growing. You're const you are born in, but then you're growing and growing and growing and growing and growing. And we just made it very, just like, not to make, there's a church, and I love it, but when you make your decision to follow Jesus, you, you screw in a light bulb. And like, there's your light bulb. Like, it's a big day. But sometimes I think we made it into like, a, we just turn the light bulb, our light's on, like we're saved, punch ticket, we're good to go, right? It's like, no, we should be different, dramatically different. You should be born. So, he, so um, this part, uh, born of uh, flesh gives birth to flesh and spirit gives birth to spirit. Uh, you have to be born of water and spirit. What is Jesus talking about? Some of these things are like, what is he talking about? Well, he knows his text way better than we do. So there are different passages in Ezekiel which he's probably referring to. Here's one of them. So I will, this is 
for a people who are coming out of a time of, it says, you have, God says, you have profaned my name. You have done all kinds of awful things, but guess what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna sprinkle clean water on you and you're gonna be made clean. I will cleanse you from your, impur- from your impurities, from your idols. I'm gonna give you a new heart. I'm gonna give you a new heart. That's what it means to be born again. The next passage is in Ezekiel 37, and it's a, he sees a valley of bones. And these bones suddenly get flesh. Can you imagine this? This is a crazy passage. He sees a bunch of bones, and he sees them form. He sees flesh and tendons come on the bones. And then he sees breath being breathed into them, and they become an army of people. That's what he's talking about. It's nuts. But I, I'm, I'm confessing. I'm repenting today. I have made it so not that. And I want it to be that. I want to be changed dramatically. I hope in Lent. I've been praying in Lent. There's, there is significant shifts in who we are that are not confined to Lent, that they keep on going. But like a huge change. Lives, Jesus changed. When Jesus changes lives, it is Let's keep going. Amen. Come on. I love him, y'all. Amen. Yeah. So Nicodemus, rightfully so, says, how can that be? What are you talking about? And Jesus says, you're Israel's teacher. He's like, no, you don't understand this? So I tell you the truth. We speak of what we know. We testify to what we have seen. Who is Jesus? Who's we? Well, just before this, there's a guy named John. His name is John the Baptist. And what did he say? Repent, for the kingdom is here. Jesus, not in this gospel, a different one. Repent, for the kingdom is here. We're telling you a really simple thing that you know about. He's like, uh, Nicodemus, think about your people. How's Israel been doing? Well, we repent, we get right with God, then we kind of lose our way. And then we repent, we're right, and we kind of lose our way. He's like, this is, there are pages of this story. He's like, how, how, how are you not tracking with me? The repentance where you're, where you're bound to fall, just doing the right thing, obviously not working. You can be new and it's dramatic. You should get this. You should understand this. Why don't you get it? Repent. So Jesus says, so I'm, I'm just going to tell you a story. I'm going to tell you one of your own stories. So if you go to verse 14, just as Moses lifted up the snake in the desert, so the Son of Man, Jesus, must be lifted up, that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. You know, if you don't know the story, it's in Numbers, and the people are rebelling. The people are, they're missing the mark. And what happens is these snakes come into the camp, and snakes start biting people, and they get poisoned and they start to die. So God says, Moses, I want you to take the thing that is poisoning the people. I want you to raise it up. And they have to look at the thing that is killing them. So to, to for this, so let's think about it. Jesus what was placed on him? All the things that are killing us, that are 
poisoning us. This came out of relationship series, things that are ruining our relationships. It says you have to, if you want to be born again, if you want a new heart, if you want to change the way you think, you feel, you will, you have to confront the things that are poisoning you. You have to look at them. You have to name them. And you have to let me have them. Someone said this. Oh, I have it somewhere. I can't remember what it was. They said that uh, we can all agree that our world's pretty broken. Can we all agree? A lot of really, really bad things. We all agree on that. What we don't agree on is what to do about it. She said, oftentimes, since we don't quite know what to do, for those who don't know yet, instead of confronting what is evil within and around and addressing it, calling it what it is, he says, we like to just hide from it. So Nicodemus came at night, right? Jesus is trying to move us from night to light. Because in the light, everything is exposed. In the best way, right? Sometimes when I thought about my brokenness being exposed, it's scary. But what happens when it is exposed to Jesus or to people who are like Jesus? What are we met with? It is his loving kindness that leads us to repentance. You'll see in the stories, people are confronted. It's raised up for them in Lent. And watch Jesus' response. He does not condemn. You'll hear that. Who condemned you? Did anyone condemn you? No. Go. Say, well, I see you. I know you. Listen for those things in the stories. Follow along in reflections. Follow in a text room. Watch what Jesus does when what we need to have uncovered gets brought into the light. It's the best. It's, you're actually free from it. So Nicodemus, what does he do? We felt, keep, we don't know for certain. But if you keep following John, what happens to Nicodemus? So he has this conversation. Seems confusing. But in John 7, the religious leaders are talking about him. And Nicodemus says, we should hear him out. We should hear him out. He gets made fun of for saying that. Right? But Nicodemus is changing. He's being moved from night to light. Then later, after Jesus dies... Who goes to get his body and who goes to bury his body? It's Nicodemus. I'm going to guess to be that bold meant that he had moved from night to light. So I think the invitation for us, if we want to change, if we want to become new people, different people, who we would say last uh, two series ago, who... Uh, uh, easily, readily, almost automatically start doing things kind of like Jesus, start having his character. 
To have his character would mean a removal of my character, <laughs> which requires a surrendering. So I want to make a little time. Yeah, we'll do it. I brought a bowl of water. I wasn't sure about it. <laughs> but I want to invite you. Any point in time in worship, we have two things for you. You can come to the table and you can receive the body, the blood broken for you, spilled for you right there. But before you do, is there anything that needs to be exposed, brought into the light? And as you, his loving kindness leads us to repentance. He already knows. Just tell him. Or I thought about water, you know, born of water and spirit. It's thought of, for me, so I would say that uh, whatever, whatever things come to the surface for you, I think they're symptoms of a thing. One of my favorite books is called Humility. It's an old book. And the person in the book says the great, the great battle in life, the great war of the cosmos is between humility and pride. So as I think about the things that I do, the ways that I harm people, I damage people, it's because of pride. Me. There's a prayer that when I first started and celebrate, it just came out of my mouth one time, and I say it a lot. I am grateful. I am grateful that you are God, and I am not. I say it a lot because I need to remind myself a lot that I am grateful. I know myself. I am grateful that you are God. And I am not. So I thought about water. And just a while back, so remind me of it. You cannot keep water in your hands. No matter how tight you go, it drips. So part of me thinks, if you want to, to signify that today. It's a releasing. Whatever it is that is exposed which probably stems from pride. My control, my way, what I want. Just come. And just relax your hands. Don't drop it. Just let it come out. Say, here you go. We will become different people. We become the kind of people people want to be with. People will enjoy. People will call. You become people's 2 a.m. friends whether you want that or not. So I invite the band up. One of the things we're going to do in Lent in the coming weeks is uh, after this service, we're going to have kind of a, a contemplative service. It's pretty quiet. We sing a hymn or two. And we do some old things like liturgies. And liturgies are awesome. Sometimes you don't know what to pray or how to pray or what to say. Well, there's these things people have written a long time ago. And we can rely on them. And we can just say those. We don't have the right words. So like Alan said, our friend CJ uh, wrote some liturgy specific to our series with our texts. So starting next week, if you want to stick around, you can. And it'll be kind of like this. Part of the service is a, a call to confession. And then there's a corporate confession where we confess together. And I'll end today with an assurance of pardon. Okay? So I want to do this, just give you a minute. 
I'm going to do a call to confession. I'm going to ask Alex, you play some music underneath. A call to confession. We'll give you a couple minutes. What is being brought into the light? Would you consider surrendering it? Just on your own. I'll read a corporate confession for us. We'll move into worship, and then you can come forward with the water. You can come forward and receive communion. So Jesus, you said, very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. We need to be born again this morning. So we confess, we give, we surrender, relinquish to you. life that is not yours. I confess to you sometimes we are fearful to change, hesitant to be transformed. I confess that sometimes the things that have happened to us in this life will make bigger than you. But you were bigger. change is always possible in you and through you. Help us be born again today. So God, we uh, ask in the next few moments that there be a, a true spirit of humility and surrender. You can have it all. When you have it all, we are truly free and we trust you with it.